It's time for episode 394 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with Hay Fever. Oh no, that's that's just me. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy. It's Dan the Man Morin. How you doing, Dan? I thought Hay Fever was for horses, Micah. I've been laboring under a misapprehension for many years, it turns out. <laughs> we are joined today by two pretty awesome guests to my left. It is the analyst and founder of The Heart of Tech, as well as just an all-around pretty doggone awesome person. Welcome back to the show, Carolina Milanese. Thank you for having me. To my left this week, it's a VFX artist and the co-host of Defocused over on The Incomparable. It's Joe Rosenstiel. Welcome back, Joe. Nice to be back, Dan. And it's nice to kick things off uh, with this podcast here where we have four topics in 30 minutes. So I will start... I am curious, uh, af- after Apple announced that it was going to provide third-party support for its Find My network, it's this um, network of, of connected devices, your, your phones and things like that, that lets you um, find lost items and, and track them down. What items, I'm curious, would you like to track if you could with Apple's Find My network? Carolina, we'll start with you. Uh, given that I am not yet microchipped, uh, although I am vaccinated, uh, I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm able to find my brain, which is what I normally <laughs> am looking for on a bad day. Um, especially after the year we've had, um, I give him this some thought, especially because I've been playing around with both tiles and, um, the, uh, galaxy tags. And I think remote controls are still the things, especially the uh, Apple TV remote control that is so tiny, it always seems to be ending up somewhere that is unmanageable, in, inimaginable, and I can't say the word, but anyway, that you can't think of, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so yes, more things. When we go back traveling, um, I think suitcases as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are good. I was thinking about the remotes too. I think that would be a good one. Although, you know, it's in your house. So I always wonder if that's like, how good is it? How, how accurate, how pinpoint? Um, I don't know. I tend to be pretty fastidious about where I put things. Uh, as I was thinking about this a little bit, what I really want is the tracker for like the thing I am looking for at the moment, right? Like the right (laughs) thing. You're like, oh, oh, I need this thing, but I didn't think about that ahead of time. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think the technology is going to be able to do that until everything has one of these chips built in. So for the moment, I will say I have a really great screwdriver that I like, and it gets left in various places that I you know, mm-hmm. often don't put it back after a task, or my wife borrows it and doesn't put it back after a task. And I just feel like I maybe need to chip that so that I always know where my nice screwdriver is, and I don't end up trying to like dig through a whole like toolbox. And it's like, why is it not in here? So tools. Yeah, I think that could work. Joe, what about you? Uh, yeah, I gotta agree. The Apple TV remote would be something I would want to, uh, keep closer tabs on. However, uh, like you just speculated, it's always difficult to f- actually find the find my stuff because it'll like show your Apple watches like in the street if you look at the like map. So <laughs> I never really can fully 
trust that part of it. Like it's not going to pinpoint where it is in the living room. Um, so, you know, I'd say something larger, like a car, uh, they do put a pin if you use CarPlay and says, this is where your car is, except it'll do that for like rental cars and stuff. And it's like, I don't have that car anymore. It's not here. Uh, cause it doesn't have an awareness of the actual car itself, only that you plugged in a phone to it and parked the car. Um, so it'd be nice to have something that actually reported where a vehicle was rather than, uh, where it thought you parked something. So that would, that would be my answer. Nice. I would like to see that technology come to the devices that we already have on Find My. So as Joe was just mentioning, uh, you look for your Apple Watch and it shows you it's in the street in front of your house. Um, to have that technology be even better where I, my MacBook Pro gets stolen and it, I don't have to wait for it to connect to a Wi-Fi network. Um, it can still be tracked even whenever the device is completely offline. That uh, takes care of my topic. Let us move to the next one, which comes from Carolina. Well, it's been a busy week this week with announcements of uh, events to be. And one of us came in last night and is about um, yet another uh, Samsung Unpacked. I don't know how many impact I've done remotely now over the past uh, 14 <laughs> months or so. Um, but from the invite, um, it's kind of obvious that they're going to be talking about laptops because you see something that looks a lot like a laptop opening the screen. So I was wondering um, if you care that they are into the laptop market, what would you like to see? Um, well, I'm first of all delighted to see Samsung holding an event on my birthday. So I hope they'll <laughs> send me a laptop. That would be nice. That would be a thing I'd like to see. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough as someone who is a diehard Mac user. It is a pretty tough thing to think that there's anything Samsung could release in a laptop form factor that would sway me from, from my chosen path. So I always like to see the competition improve. I like to see, um, you know, PC makers and, and makers of things like even Chromebooks and stuff like that continually upping their game because I think it forces Apple to do a better job in mm-hmm. creating its laptops as well. Otherwise, they're just out there and they don't really have an impetus to, you know, worry about their comp- competitors. And then you end up with stuff like the touch bar. I'm like, oh, I mean, <laughs> why? <laughs> So, yeah, I always hope for a robust competition. I think that's sort of the most I can hope for. But as for particular products, I'm not sure there's anything here I'm going to be really paying attention to. Joe, what about you? Yeah, I got to agree. I don't have any particular interest in Samsung laptops right now. Um, And I don't really see that changing in the future with the release of anything. But uh, it it is always interesting sometimes when you see like a, a particular feature of something uh, get fe- get a get a write up on the verge or something like that. And it's like, oh, well, I wish a, a Mac would have that someday. Um, so I don't know if that it will be a situation with Samsung where there'll be some feature or uh, battery technology or power consumption thing that'll be interesting about it. But uh, just in the abstract, I don't see myself buying a Samsung product at the moment. They there was already kind of a push to 5G laptops and uh, 5G computing and, and trying to keep things as uh, as quick to launch as possible. And so anybody who's tinkering around in that space, I think it's very interesting to see what they're doing. And Samsung has had a history of trying to create 
products that can be kind of your everything device where, you know, you get this, this dock and you can kind of plug it in and it becomes a computer. Regardless of anything, I, I like to see the, the innovation that's taking place there. Uh, Carolina, why don't you round us out? Yeah, I think that you you all kind of sum up how people are going to feel about uh, all of this. You know, there's nothing that is going to dissuade Mac users, but I think competition is good. And what I love about um, where Samsung is coming from is a deep understanding of mobility, right? And not thinking about mobile as a skew in a portfolio where you just put, you know, a, a a chipset to connect the device, but really thinking about what does mobility look like. And despite, you know, people finding it hard to think about mobility at a time where we've been in lockdown for, you know, for so long, but there's micro mobility within the home, if you like. So, you know, I'm sure like, like me, you're tired of working eight hours at a desk. And so you kind of go to the sofa or somewhere else within the home to try and, you know, kind of mix it up a bit. So um, thinking about that and then connectivity, you know, going back to what both Dan and Joe said uh, about Apple and see what the competition is doing. I, I really want connected PCs to become the norm. And I think with, um, you know, with Samsung being more present in the carrier space from a channel point of view, go to market, um, that might be a, a bigger priority for them than not say, you know, Lenovo or Dell. Um, and that might push up or maybe not to think about connectivity just in the iPad Pro. All righty, folks, uh, we have reached halftime and I am excited uh, to say that Privacy uh, is here to sponsor this episode of Clockwise. I love privacy.com. I, I seriously think this is one of the best ideas that has come about. Um, if there's ever been a time where you have maybe there's a site okay you you get this instagram ad and it's for this really cool hat that has i don't know a walrus on it and it says um tusk love and so you really want to get this hat and you go to the site and the site is kind of sketchy it's a it's not amazon it's not ebay where your money is backed and you're just not 100% sure if you're going to get your Tusk Love hat. And so you you think, well, I don't really want to type in my credit card information uh, because it could get snapped up and that's not great. That is where privacy comes into play. It's a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. Because privacy lets you generate virtual numbers to mask your bank information. So you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. This is super cool because on top of, so, you know, you, you create a, a virtual card to buy your test glove hat and you, uh, pay the, I don't know, let's say it's $15, uh, plus $5.99 shipping and handling. And it, um, charges you the, the money. And the hat comes in the mail. You're super happy and you don't have to worry about that site, um, being hacked or anything like that because that, that card is locked to that vendor from the moment that you use it. So I, uh, set up a, you know, a m monthly subscription with Netflix. If that number gets used by some other person nefariously, and they try to buy something with it or or take money from it. If it's not Netflix that's pulling from that card, then it won't work. Uh, 
So it's a great way to manage your monthly recurring subscriptions and lock those to it. You can set limits per year, per month, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, the, the per month, but certainly per year, um, limits per transaction. So it's just this fantastic way to secure yourself online and also reduce some of that worry. I, I just think it's such a cool idea uh, to, to take back control of your payments. Um, you can close your cards at any time as well. So if you decide that... Um, th- there are some sites that have those, those uh, dark patterns that keep you from canceling um, accounts or subscriptions and things like that. And if you've run into trouble there... Well, you know what? I just closed my privacy card so you can't charge me even if you wanted to. That way you could make sure you're not billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And by the way, privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password, so you can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards, and you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant-locked cards whenever you want to. Head to, you seriously, everybody should at least try this because it's just such a brilliant idea. You go to privacy.com slash clockwise to sign up for an account and new customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash clockwise to sign up now. And of course, our thanks to privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Alrighty, Dan, what have you got for us? Well, I know we weren't perhaps the most effusive about the Samsung event, but there's also (laughs) an Apple event next week. And so my question for all of you fine folks is, what are you expecting at that event or what are you hoping for? Joe, why don't you kick us off? Well, I'm expecting some AR baloney at this event. Uh, some, <laughs> some, Ooh, delicious. Uh, some demos and nonsense that's not going to really directly translate into anything applicable. Um, but they will, you know, look forward to the new iPad, look forward to uh, when it, whatever other uh, computing uh, products they release, like potentially an iMac, um, and what new form factors they could maybe, uh, update, um, to, to accomplish that. There has been a very, 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 very long rumored Apple TV update, but, uh, nothing specifically about the rumors for this event lead me to believe that anything's coming for that. Uh, but it would be a nice surprise. Um, and I have to say that's probably all I'm looking forward to at the moment since they just refreshed, uh, the laptops, uh, for the most part, uh, unless they plan on launching macbook pros uh alongside other things and i missed that uh that would be the only thing i would look forward to well i've got this beautiful wonderful amazing um 11 inch ipad pro right here next to me and behind it is an ipad air and i have the ipad air because of work um but my true love is my 11 inch iPad Pro from, you know, so long ago. Um, and I think that the iPad Pro is one of the best devices Apple has made in like modern Apple time. Um, it is an incredible device. And so an updated iPad Pro that is more of an update than just adding that, um, LiDAR camera or excuse me, LiDAR sensor, uh, which is pretty much all that came to the last round of ipad pro updates um any any betterment to this device uh that actually makes it a worthwhile upgrade is something that i am looking forward to so we'll see if that happens um but i'm i'm doubtful i think for for much ar baloney um or 
Arbaloni. Arbaloni. <laughs> All right, I'll quit. I'll quit. <laughs> Carolina, take this away from me before I make another pun. Uh, um, I think I echo your uh, want and need of uh, a, a better upgrade for the iPad Pro. I, I've been a long-term uh, iPad Pro user, especially when I travel, but but funny enough, as a companion, uh, even now that I'm home as an extra screen that I have on my desk. Um, and um, as much as the Magic Keyboard was useful, there have been some downsides to it. One is how much it drains battery life on the iPad Pro. I don't know about you, but, you know, it used to be that I would leave it around and, you know, after three days, still pick it up and still have battery. And now you're leaving it around for three hours and it's dead um, because at least my battery drains uh, much faster with a keyboard. And there's a, there's also from a just an ergonomic perspective, some things that for me just don't work. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, if there is an upgrade to that. Um, I agree with Joe with, with some of the rumors that we've seen around um, uh, Apple TV and, and maybe a crossover between HomePod and um, Apple TV as far as, you know, maybe Soundbar that is also an Apple TV uh, and or a HomePod with the screen are interesting um, new ways of thinking about home. Um, I don't necessarily think we're going to see them this time around, but it's definitely something that I'm looking uh, for, looking forward to. And then um, a new Siri remote, please, because I still always pick it up the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need that. I'm not sure. I'm with all of you that I think I'd love to see some Apple TV and HomePod reimagining. I think it's a bit early for probably both of those things. Apple TV seems like more of a fall thing. And the HomePod revamp stuff seems a little further out. I think uh, of the stuff that I would really like to see that I'm not convinced I'll actually see. Um, I'd love to hear something about this like connected home alliance that, that Apple has been working on with Google and Amazon. Like, is that going to yield any fruit? Is it something more than just a like a press release that they put out? It seems like there's some work going on there, but we haven't really heard anything about that. And maybe that could be part of a bigger home push. Um, that all seems like something that maybe Apple wants to get a little more firmly into that market at this point. I also like to see some more, um, you know, Apple Silicon Macs released. I'm not convinced we'll see that this time around either. Although I kind of have in the back of my head that a low end iMac could make an appearance. Um, but it seems mostly like new iPad pros are kind of the big thing that we'll be talking about. And of course, iOS 14.5. And that's the, the last thing I'll say. I like iOS 14.5 has been out for a while. Obviously, there's a lot of new features in it. Part of me wonders if there's anything in there that really hasn't been talked up, uh, which is not out of the question. Uh, they've done eight betas on this now. Uh, I guess like it's been pretty well workshopped. So maybe there's something lurking in there that people haven't found. I'm not super optimistic about it, but you know, I can hold out hope. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Joe. Okay, so Roku just released their Roku Express 4K Plus for $40. Uh, it has a new voice remote, uh, and it also includes an Apple TV Plus app button on that remote, um, which Apple would have paid for. Uh, Fire TV Stick 4K is also in this price, lane, uh, price range, and it's a little less fully featured than this new Roku Express. Um, but what is the justification for the $180 Apple TV 4K as their entry-level 4K streaming 
box for anybody to get into this market. Uh, what is the justification for the $200 model, which just has more storage for quote unquote games? Uh, what is the price cut? Uh, why isn't there a price cut on the $150 Apple TV HD, which is over five years old um, and was not cut when the uh, new Apple TV 4K was introduced? The Apple TV 4K entry level model was slotted above it. Uh, what What is the plan for uh, going down and fighting in this space of the 30 and $40 streamers. It doesn't seem like there is one. Um, but then why have $180 uh, 4k box uh, for your, your products? Why churn out new versions of TVOS? I don't understand uh, what is the compelling reason to keep that around. And I want to know what you all think could possibly be the reason for keeping that product there and whether or not you think maybe they should get rid of it and just use uh, Apple TV's uh, uh, partnerships with Roku and other providers for the Apple TV app, uh, for the TV Plus app, and for the AirPlay and uh, home features that uh, these other providers have started to offer. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep. Uh, hey, Tim, can you take this? <laughs> Good morning. So here's the answer I have for you. No. Um, so Apple makes a streaming device. Yes. And it has different apps on it that offer, uh, content, but Apple's own content is all within the app called Apple TV. And you could buy a less expensive Roku and have all the other content through their apps and also Apple's content through the Apple TV app. Or buy a smart TV that has the Apple TV app built into it. And so I just, I don't think that Apple, like Apple has made its content available across the ecosystem of uh, streaming set-top boxes. And I think that that's where the focus has been in terms of gev- giving people the option to check out its services, services, services through any device that they use. What do you think, Carolina? I tend to agree on the the lack of need for a lower price point to reach a broader market because, to your point, people can do that through either other set-top boxes or smart TVs. I also think that um, we might see something slightly cheaper, but not at that 49 price point, following what they've done with HomePod, right? Um, now the game is different because they want to reach more people, so if they are coming up, coming out with a better, higher end experience, uh, we might see something, you know, slightly cheaper. Um, but I think the, the point to me is more about, you know, why we haven't seen something for so long is because they had big, bigger fish to, to, to fry or whatever the saying is. Um, because it, there's a lot out there. And so the trends, if you're thinking about a transition to the M1, um, iPhone and that market continue to be strong. Uh, Apple Watch is, is obviously a, a really key product for them. So it's a question of choosing where to focus at a, at a time where, you know, we also had a pandemic. So I think some of the, the focus has been kind of repurposed or, or, um, you know, if you have a priority list and at the end of the day, Apple TV is still a hobby, right? So as such, it gets the time that they have. Um, I hope to see that change for the core Apple users because within the home, 
I think Apple TV could play a much bigger role than it has so far. Jeez, Joe, you got a lot of questions. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a few things going on here. One, I would guess that the reason those those products are still there is because they're still making money. Um, it, the margins may be high enough at this point, especially because they are so old that if Apple is still getting people to buy them, uh, they may be very happy with the margins that they have. Uh, I agree they're not particularly competitive, but a lot of people will pay a premium for something with the, you know, Apple imprimatur and the idea that it just works with everything else that I've got, even if a lot of those features are available elsewhere. And then the last thing is the ecosystem. I don't think Apple TV has been as compelling an ecosystem for either apps or games, but there are certainly some people I think who will probably buy it thinking, oh yes, I'll be able to play all these games I like on my iPhone and whether they use it or not is an entirely different story. I do agree that it's overpriced. I, I kind of long for the heyday of when the Apple TV was 100 bucks. I mean, it feels like that would be expensive, but it would not be just a banana's price point. It would be something where it's like, well, okay, I'd be willing to pay a little bit more for a better experience um, or perhaps, you know, the, the compatibility with other stuff in the ecosystem. Uh, but the storage thing is... is <laughs> a joke it is really a joke there is i it's hard to figure out how much storage you're using on your apple tv but i've definitely looked at points and been like i'm using a tiny fraction of the like even the smaller capacity the larger capacity is just nobody nobody needs that i don't know i don't care how many games you're playing you don't need it i'm gonna be honest with you um so yeah i, I think it's there because they haven't really figured out what the alternative is and for the moment it continues to make money and draw in more people probably subscribing to services like arcade and tv plus uh, and they don't see a problem with that right now. But I, I hope that they are considering revisiting it because it is getting a bit long in the tooth. And I think another revision along these lines will probably be a little more lackluster and people will be less inclined to upgrade to that when it comes along. Any last thoughts to wrap us up, Joe? Uh, no, I just really need to get that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, um, we are about to the end of the show. Of course, we'll have a bonus topic. But before we get there, I want to tell you about the IntraZone by Microsoft uh, SharePoint. It is fun to find a new podcast to listen to. Uh, you know, you, you're running out of, of content. You're like, oh, no, what's going to come next? And so, you know, Coming across a new one is quite nicely. If you're looking for a new show yourself, then check out the Interzone, which is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. You're going to hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments. Uh, you get news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs of the week, and upcoming events. And the topics for each show are really interesting. Uh, some of the episodes have been migration to the cloud, AI and machine learning, Office 365, OneDrive, Teams, and Microsoft Stream. Um, it is, uh, you know, even if, even if, Microsoft SharePoint itself is not something that you um, feel you need to check out. Actually checking out some of the episodes can kind of inspire you uh, to to try new stuff that Microsoft has come out with, including Power Platform, which is this way to kind of co it's it's low to no code where you can create apps and different um, setups for your your business or um, you, you know your daily workflow. 
very easily. And so listening to episodes about Power Platform, it's kind of like, oh, there's an idea. There's something I hadn't considered doing. Uh, you out there can go and listen now. You just search for the Intra Zone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I N T R A Z O N E, or just click the link in the show notes to check it out. Thanks so much to the Intra Zone by Microsoft SharePoint for its its support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, here is my bonus question for you. You're given a bunch of money and told that you must use it to open a bakery. What's the signature treat you serve at your bakery? Carolina? Well, you ask in Italian. So um, I think I will have as a savory, it would be my olive focaccia. And as a sweet, uh, it's probably going to be single portion tiramisu. I'm going with one of my favorite baked goods of all time, challah, which is great for savory. It works with sweet, makes the best French toast. Uh, plus, just eat it anytime with butter uh, and makes good rolls to sandwiches, everything. You can do everything with challah. Uh, I'm going to go with something a little less adaptable, and that is the uh, patolitos uh, de guayaba y queso, uh, the uh, guava and cheese pastries that are very popular in Miami and Florida. Uh, but you don't find them everywhere, so I think there's a market. Interesting. Uh, for me, it's going to be a gluten-free chicken pot pie uh, for savory and macarons for sure for 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 the sweet. Um, I, I don't even like it could be any flavor. I, I think <laughs> that, that's so much fun. Uh, macarons are so much fun. Elderberry and mint or something. Um, thank you all uh, for making me hungry. I do appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us uh, <laughs> for this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to say goodbye to our guest, Carolina Milanese. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Always great fun. And Joe Rosenstiel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And Micah will be back next week with more savory and sweet treats, of course. But until then, we <laughs> remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>